Welcome back to Rewrite Motherhood. Today, we have Andrea Delator from Baby Sleep Answers to talk about her path from teaching to having babies to becoming a sleep consultant and Instagram influencer. You are going to love Andrea's story. Andrea is a deep and principled person with a dry sense of humor. And for someone with almost 100,000 Instagram followers, you can fill a football stadium with all the people who follow her. She is shockingly real and authentic. She's actually been helping me a lot with baby sleep. Today, we are going to talk about how Andrea has temporarily given up her first love, teaching, to run her sleep consulting business, what it's really like being an influencer, a subject that fascinates me, and of course, we'll touch on that ever-important thorn-in-our-side subject, baby sleep. Andrea, welcome to Rewrite Motherhood. Hi, thank you. I love this podcast. I love what you're doing with this. So you're so sweet. (laughs) You're so sweet to listen. We have just a couple episodes, um, but I I love that you've listened to it. It means a lot to me and your help with my baby's sleep means a lot to me. Um, Andrea, you have just recently had your third baby. And so we can hear some baby sounds in the background. Oh yeah. I love love that. Kind of grunting here. It just adds a layer of authenticity to everything that we're going to be talking about. Um, So I thought we'd start, you know, one thing, one part about your background that I think is interesting and that seems to color a lot of your thoughts on things is the fact that you did not grow up exclusively in the United States. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, for sure. Actually, even saying exclusively would be kind of a reach. I only lived in California for two years. Um, mm-hmm. I was born in Mexico. We lived there until I was eight. Then we moved to California for those two years around the Bay Area. And then when I was 10, we moved to Brazil. So that's kind of what I would call like my formative years, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I spent those in Brazil. And then when I was 16, we moved to Spain. And so I finished up high school in Madrid. And it was pretty crazy. We can talk about crazy stories some other time. Um, and then there I was seeking more I don't know I was you know I was a Catholic by you know like a cradle Catholic and Mm -hmm. all and when I was in Brazil or in Spain I went to international schools with you know which is amazing I got exposed to so many different thoughts and so many different people but I was really seeking to know more about my faith and so I did also not be the only person in the room who believed God was real um for you know to go to college and so I searched for a university in the states that would be catholic but really also liberal mm-hmm. in a sense and so that's how I found UD and then also I was able to play basketball there as a walk-on and so I chose UD so out of everywhere I just went to Texas <laughs> no okay, hate on Texas I, I did not know you were a college basketball player well okay well that's really stretching it because mostly I just rode the bench for a whole season, <laughs> realizing that, you know, being a forward in Spain at like five foot six just puts you on a bench in the States. <laughs> um, and, you know, like I was not used to the rigor that is athletics in the U.S. Like two a days, I've never even heard of that. Um, or like, I don't know, it was just a crazy season. That's another story again. Um, but yeah, college athlete mm-hmm. probably isn't what I would call myself. 
but <laughs> I was on the team and you can Google me and, you know, see my little picture of me in the Jersey. Okay. I'm going to resist the urge to do that in real time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do feel like that's another subject. Cause I'd love to talk to you about just the disordered nature of our athletics here for kids. Um, but I love oh, yeah. that you are, I'm going to call you a college athlete. I feel like you should own that <laughs> <laughs> basketballer. Um, and then you, you met your husband, Joe at the university of Dallas, right? No, actually that's another funny story. Um, well, not actually oh. funny, story, no, but whatever. Um, I did not, <laughs> <laughs> I went, I, uh, my whole life, I wanted to be a teacher. And so, you know, I went to college to be a teacher. I did my major in English and education. And so, and here's some, I'm just going to throw a bunch of things. Sorry, I go in tangents. Yes, but, please. Um, part of going to UD as well was that they promised me, you know, when you graduate, you can teach in Irving and, you know, they have the, the special visa for teachers. And so that was my plan all four years. But then my senior year, Irving and a lot of other cities in the States decided they weren't going to give visas to foreigners for teaching anymore. Um, their excuse was that there's a lot of Americans that can do teaching. So we don't need any international people to do that for us. Which is mm -hmm. silly because it's also the same year that they decided they were going to open up more bilingual pro programs. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I guess I can't teach when I get out of college. Um, so I need to find somewhere I can teach. And so I realized I had one year. It's called OPT, but you don't need to know that. It's just the year you get after your college experience to have a work visa. Um, but mm -hmm. instead of teaching in Irving, I went to Uplift. And so at my interview was this guy who was also a college alum, a UD alum. And we kind of clicked right away in the interview. And then mm -hmm. he asked to be like my buddy when I started working <laughs> and our rooms were connected by like the bathroom because he was teaching first grade, I was teaching kindergarten. Uh -huh. um, and so we kind of like teacher flirted for the whole year. Like we leave like <laughs> notes on each other's desks or like sent our bad, or like badly behaved kids to each other. Um, and then that April of that year, he proposed in my classroom using my kindergarten kids, which was like my life dream. <laughs> okay. So that so is that's how we met. such a cute story. And I had no idea. I thought you were college sweethearts. Um, no, no. That's never adorable. Been in college somehow. Oh, okay. Now, but you were, you were dating officially during the year, right? It wasn't just like a boom proposal with your kids. Oh, no, no. Yeah. We dated for six months. <laughs> okay. It was just like, oh, well, I like you. Okay. <laughs> sorry, the no, way. Actually, the... <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, actually one of my lifelong dreams to that point was also to teach abroad. And so we were dating and then we applied to different schools. We actually got a job offer in China to go teach there, but we were just dating. So we're like, well, we can't get do that. And so yes. we're like, well, we should either get married or not. And so we're like, well, we need to get married because obviously, mm -hmm. And, and that's when he proposed like soon after. As someone who I share a profession with my husband, we're both lawyers. I love that you guys were teachers together and that you share that background. Cause there's something really fun about bonding with your spouse about your profession. Yes. I loved it. It was, it was really a dream come true. Like two years later, there's a, there's a gap year. That's crazy. I want to talk about it. Well, <laughs> I had no, to tell me, tell me. <laughs> So we weren't going to get married right away. We had the whole year, but I couldn't stay in the States, not working because my OPT year was done. And so I had to start a master. So I started a master's at UNT for linguistics. Um, and I didn't like that. So I didn't finish it up. But the next year I had my marriage visa because we were officially married and I had my green card so I could go back to work. <laughs> Anyways, um, I was able to work 
at the school he was at if you change schools and I loved it I loved just being going, able to go upstairs and like talk to him or have lunch together sometimes and then talk about the kids and I had some kids that he had had I don't know it's just I I loved it <laughs> I I that's so sweet so you got married and then you had what one year of teaching together Yes. And so that's when our first little guy decided to come into our life much earlier than we expected, uh, but very mm-hmm. welcomed. And so mm-hmm. that first year back of me teaching, which was a huge heartbreak for me, obviously I was excited to have a baby, but I was, you know, I was really excited to get back into teaching after that right. year of doing a master's. Um, and so he was born in January. Okay. Um, and so I took unpaid leave for 11 weeks. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty crazy to me, the maternity. Wait, so wait, why did you have to take unpaid leave? Because I hadn't been working with the, I hadn't been working at Uplift for like the, the school system for more than 12 months. And so I didn't get any maternity leave. Okay. They've changed that since, but okay. you know. <laughs> okay. It's I, always I interesting. Of, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I had a lot of sick days. So like part of it was paid and then that's it. Okay. And then what was it? Did you make, did you go back to the school year at all? Yeah. So my mom was able to help us for, I think it was like a month and a half or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And she watched for the, yeah. um, I stayed home for like 12 weeks and then my mom helped us help me finish out the year so I could go back and say bye to my cutest little second graders. Okay. Um, and I know the end of, you know, the story where you, you realized that you could not go back into teaching. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that, how, what was hard about that and what was gr- good about that? And why did you decide that you couldn't go back for that next school year? Yeah. So my dream was always, you know, like I'll have kids and I'll go to school and, you know, maybe have a nanny or a daycare. Oh, you cute little noises. Um, but I realized I couldn't, I went back after maternity leave and I loved it so much. And, you know, I, I give a hundred percent of it. I gave a hundred percent of my kids, but I'd get home and see my baby. And I was like, I have no energy left for you. And I, I can't be a great mom. I just don't have endless energy. Like some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was like, well, I can either be, you know, my best version of a mom at home with my kid, or I can be my best version of a teacher. And I don't want to like do 50 50 I can't especially because we were you know I my passion is to teach at title one schools too so those kids need Mm -hmm. like a lot of extra help and those moms raising those kids need a lot of extra help too so it's it's really Mm -hmm. like a full-time plus (laughs) being a teacher Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the hardest things you can do in life not just because it's not just because what I and Joe do (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but then yeah I just realized like me myself I couldn't do it I couldn't do 100% for both and that would make me feel guilty and so I was like you know what my main responsibility Mm -hmm. right now since I brought you into this world is you (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna stay with you it's a that's a really beautiful decision and I'm sure a lot of moms can relate to giving up something that they love because they know it's just not in the best interest of their kids and I think sometimes society messages, you can have it all and you can have it all. And, you know, you sometimes a lot of people can have it all, but just not at the same time is something that I like to say. Yeah. And, you know, there was one other teacher who had kids and she was like thriving at both because she was a great kid and she was a great teacher. And I was like, you know what, I'm glad it works for her. And I'm glad it works for a lot of people 
um I just I just had to like be really real to myself and it's hard to look so super prideful and be like you can't do this and you can't and you're like and if you want to go back and you really like that's the thing too about teaching I was like if I want to go back next year I can <laughs> so it wasn't Right. It wasn't some, some careers, it's much harder to take a break, Yeah. but I, I have heard from teachers that it can be, it, you know, it's something that is for a lot of people available to them mm-hmm. to go back into. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually taught, um, in a very small role for one year. I oh, had I left. The, yeah. I, I had left the law firm and I signed on to do a hybrid role at, um, Jesuit down the street and teaching um, seniors a Catholic social thought class and oh, wow. working in community service. And I, I just loved it. I can see why so many good people are attracted to teaching. I, it was so life-giving to work with young people. There's something really magical about the brains of young people and just kind of what's going on socially and to yeah. have an influence in their life is um, really a privilege, but it was even, even my one little tiny class was tiring. And <laughs> yes. And you, you know, you look at these people who they're teaching five periods a day, six periods or however many, and you're just like, you have got, I have no idea how you go home and do anything, but just <laughs> lay in bed. Yep. So I, I have so much admiration for teachers and teachers who manage to be teachers and parents are like a different breed. So I really, I I think so. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's weird just not to harp too much. So my parents in full disclosure, my parents are both teachers too. Um, but I think it's really weird how the market does it like the market values certain types of labor more than teaching because the human value of teaching is I would argue like so much higher than the human value of many people's work in highly compensated professions. Yeah. And I mean, that was another part of me not going to work, you know, on a teacher salary, you can't afford like the very best daycare always. And so that wasn't something we wanted to pursue in the area that we were in. Right. And you know, when I, when I worked full-time back in the day, I mean, we hired, the most amazing nanny who is with us still you know, one day a week. We had a housekeeper. We, I would, if I couldn't make dinner, if I wanted to just like, you know, spend time with my baby, just holding the baby, we would just order dinner. Like, I mean, yeah. I think we were ordering takeout like four nights a week at least. <laughs> um, yeah. So we were able to, for me to feel bonded and connected with my baby, we were able to throw money at it. And if the profession you're in doesn't provide the resources to just throw money at problems, then yeah, you're in a, you're in a position where it's starting to feel pretty (laughs) unsustainable. Exactly. Um, okay. So you're now you're a stay at home mom. Tell me about what that's like, because that to me is such a crazy transition. So did you like it? Did you dislike it? Like, what was it like? I honestly really, really disliked it. <laughs> I was <laughs> just like, oh gosh, this is what I've been dreaming of my whole life. This is so boring. Um, and I also didn't have like a lot of mom friends around me. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't realize it, but I had really bad postpartum anxiety. 
Um, mm. I missed teaching so much. And it was really hard. This was the caveat to teaching with Joe is I left and he was still at that school and he was still having events at that school and still hanging out with all our school friends. And, you know, I'd just say bye to him in the morning and know that he was out there living my dream. And it was hard not to get resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I had to go to confession for it because I was so resentful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I was pretty miserable. And I was like, you know, I love you, but you're so boring. And I know you're not supposed to say that about babies, but they are. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you have nothing else going on in your life or if like your life goal hasn't been to be a stay-at-home mom. Because, you know, I know a lot of stay-at-home moms that are such good housekeepers and such good moms and they're so good at enjoying a baby. And I'm just really not. <laughs> and so I was like, oh gosh, this, this is horrible. <laughs> You know, having, I've said this to so many first time moms lately, having one baby is and, and so okay. hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm just going to say, I love my baby. I was obsessed with my baby, but it can be mind numbing. It is. I mean, I watched like 14 seasons of Grey's Anatomy and like <laughs> two weeks of being home. Yes. I had nothing else to do. Like I was yes. nursing you or watching you sleep or just you know, dealing with this anxiety that you're going to die any moment now. Right. And that's, so. that's the caveat, the, the, the wrinkle in it is like, it's not just like you're at home eating bonbons. You're, you're at home and your <laughs> brain is going numb, but yeah. you're also like hyper anxious. And you're just like, uh, you're feeding a baby 24 seven, basically. Yeah. And so it is this perfect combo. So to anybody who's listening to this, who has one baby right now, I just, I salute you. I can promise you my life with four babies under five is easier mentally than what you're doing. Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Hardest I think is one. Right. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so true. So, um, and I also, Andrea, I wanted to say this, I haven't talked about this before, but this jealousy of the husband who gets to go out. I mean, I have certainly felt that. And yeah. it's been easy for me to, to idealize my husband's job, because what I remember now about practicing law are the good parts. It's yeah. the, you know, beautiful, clean air conditioned office with a beautiful view of Clyde Warren park. It's, you know, like the, the peers that you interact with and the success that you're recognized for and all these other things. So yeah. you mentioned confession, but how did you kind of like mentally like train your brain to, to let go of the resentment and jealousy. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like the things I missed out of teaching were like having kids to talk to or going to the bathroom by myself, but yeah. or, like walking in a hallway. <laughs> so it's like the different professions. Um, but honestly it came down to like Joe, I mean, Joe's an amazing teacher. Um, we can talk about him giving up teaching for the business later but he's an amazing teacher and he got recognized a lot and he was with Uplift for like 10 years. And so he kept getting like different things. And at one point he was offered like a something thousand dollar price. And like, he could go to a teacher conference anywhere he wanted to. And I was so, so jealous. I was like, I, like I could start crying thinking about it. And so that's when I talked to our priest friend. I was like, I'm just, I don't know how to not be jealous of him getting this much money just to be a teacher and enjoy teacher life and my priest friend is like well you have to remember like this is marriage you're not you against him is everything that's good for him is good for you 
and everything that he gains is gained for the family and you know it's not short term it's long term and just seeing it differently just like I mean I know it's just one quick sentence but that changed everything for me mm-hmm. I was like you know what that's right like my fulfilled husband my husband making a difference which is what's hard for me I feel like I'm not making a difference um, mm-hmm. that's our little family unit making a difference in the world right and that's that's what changed it all for the better I've been able to see I, I love that thought and I've been able to see I, I do I don't know if this is weird but my husband also is a has a very successful career as a lawyer and he just is helping a lot of people and he's serving his clients well and sometimes I do kind of think like that's that's kind of my success too. Yeah. Yeah. He would not be able to do that without you. Yeah. And, and, um, there's a piece that comes from this is, I don't know if this sounds like patriarchal or, or what, but there's a piece that comes from knowing that he has, you know, he's doing good work. And when he comes home, I have been able to provide for his kids. And so it gives him the freedom and the peace of mind to do his job well yeah and I don't think it's patriarchal because I think it goes both ways um because at some point my business was growing and it couldn't have grown if Joe hadn't somehow like done two jobs like he was teaching and helping with the business and he was taking over when I would go like work by myself and so it goes both ways like one Mm -hmm. one person's success and being able to thrive and know that the kids were safe it's huge Okay. So let's talk about that. Okay. So at what point when you're, as you're a stay at home mom, did you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get into baby sleep. How did this happen? Yeah. Um, so like most things, I feel like most things in life for me are just kind of, they're dropped in my lap somehow. Um, and you just got to go get them if you want them or just push them off your lap if you don't, I guess. (laughs) But anyway, so my little boy was not sleeping and I was going crazy. And I used crazy with wrong choice of word because I just had really bad postpartum anxiety I was I literally couldn't think of anything but his sleep and I didn't want to go anywhere do anything nothing except for worry about his sleep um and so that's when we're like maybe we need to get help but I'm also really prideful and also we just had one teacher salary and mm-hmm. online you saw like sleep consultants like oh get, book this person for eight hundred dollars and I was like well which tells me that she's really going to help me not just take all my money right um, and also I was like, well, if she does it, I could do this. And so I had just decided to stay home and I was like, maybe, maybe I'll take, you know, be certified in sleep consulting and this could be my thing. And my whole family was like, really? <laughs> How is this going to be your thing? Like sleep consulting, like that, that doesn't, whatever. But my dad was actually really supportive and he was like, Hey, I'll pay for half of the certification because it's a few thousand dollars. And he was like, and I'll loan you the rest. And I was like, oh yeah, like let's do it. <laughs> and I'm also known in my family for like starting something strong and not finishing it. So I think that's what everyone's expected out of me. Right. Um, but anyway, Damn. so I got certified. <laughs> um, like that cross stitch I'm looking at, like pop my closet. But <laughs> um, so I started certification and then through my UD alum moms group on Facebook, I started offering free help in exchange for like reviews. And then I started helping more people and more people. And I was pretty good at it. Like I was really helping people and I felt that sense of like fulfillment once more, but also honestly, baby sleep is pretty boring to me. I'm going to say that just very honestly, even though it's like what Mm -hmm. I do. Um, So after a while I was like, okay, well, this is boring. I'm doing the exact same thing every single week, just with a different mom. And I love getting to new moms. I love that part. But then there was like, 
that finished, you know, and it was a different mom. Um, Can we talk really quick about just the fact that um, you were not initially good at getting your baby to sleep and then you made that your kind of calling. I love that because sometimes I think that the people who do this sort of thing are the people who are already good at it. You know, like the people who cut your hair and then, but they're yeah. like clearly hair people and then they're giving you hair advice. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what it's like to be me and like never think about your hair, you know, <laughs> or like people yeah. who are, they're um, professional trainers or, you know, they're athletes and they're like telling me advice. I'm like, I'm going to need you to get down on my level here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting because you know? I do know, I mean, I'm in a big circle of sleep consultants now and most of the ones that I talk with are all moms that like suffered from it and then they got into, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of them that are like, well, I'm really good at this. I'm going to get into it. And that's, I think where a lot of the sleep consultants that are like, well, you know, just put your baby drowsy bit awake and then walk away. That's what works for me. Um, and so yes. that, that there's that lack of like, well, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> right. and sometimes it's like 5am and all I can think about is bringing them into my bed because nothing else works. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, when they think like, think of your niche or however you say that word. Um, yes. That's, that's me. <laughs> you know, I am the hot mess mom that went through it and wants you to know that you can get through it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be cried out or nothing or all co-sleeping or nothing. Um, I guess it's just like, you know, being genuine <laughs> right. in the realm well, of sleep. Well, I, t- I told you this before you've, um, been helping me a lot. And the reason that I, so I am people who know me well, will know this. I have some strengths as a mom. Sleeping is not one of them. I have done everything you shouldn't do from babies on their tummy, babies in bed with me. I've let certain Mm -hmm. kids cry it out in exasperation. I mean, there is no rhyme or reason why (laughs) and how I have let babies sleep. And that worked for three babies and young under 30 Cynthia, but (laughs) 32 year old Cynthia with three other kids running around is a just struggle fest. Yeah. (laughs) And I just like the, the thing that's turned me off about the whole sleep consulting, sleep training is the, uh, just like the undercurrent of me feeling like I'm being shamed and yeah. me feeling inadequate and just the, the reluctance to add one more thing that I should be doing right. That I just feel overloaded. So yeah. talk to me about that, about mom shaming and like how you've been able to build such a positive, a positive place. Yeah, I realized that pretty soon. I mean, I haven't talked to you about how like Instagram blew up, but eventually my business really started growing and then Instagram blew up and I was, you know, little old me with my two little kids just staring at 40,000 people um, and me wondering like, you know, I pray to God every day, you know, this is your business. Do with me what you want. (laughs) Also, that kind of takes my responsibility off of it. (laughs) But so I was like, what, what do people need right now? You know, it's not just sleep advice because sleep advice is everywhere. You go to the library, you can get a book. People need support and people need to be heard and people need to know that they need to, they can listen to their intuition. I think so many moms have their mom, their intuition shut down because mm-hmm. of fear mongers, because of different things. Um, and so I decided I wanted to be that voice. I was going to be the voice that tells you, you know what you're doing. You have good intuition, but here's some sleep science. You know, if you let your baby be overtired, they're just not going to sleep well. 
Uh, but you know mm-hmm. what? If your baby's overtired, you don't have to feel bad about that because it's life so that's going to happen. But here's mm-hmm. something you can do to avoid that. You know, giving more sensible advice that actually works besides just citing research or citing hours or numbers. I think that's what we need as moms, not just for sleep, but for nutrition, for behavior, for education, for everything. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of the voice that I aim to be. It's just, it's mm-hmm. also who I am as a person too. I've never been much of a black or white person. I'm very much like, you know, there's truth, but there's also life. And we have mm-hmm. to adjust to everything depending on mm-hmm. where we are at, who we are, what our goals are. And so that's what I put into how I view baby sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And I especially really like how you, you, strike the balance between being affirming of moms, but you also speak the truth. You know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of mom accounts out there who, um, it's just all about like hundred percent validation of moms. And it's like, well, if we're really being honest, moms, you know, we do need validation, but we also, we do need help and we do need information. And it's just about how we, like present that information and doing it in a way that is encouraging and that recognizes that there's no way that we're going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so you do, you do a really good job striking that balance. So thank you for your work. And I, (laughs) I do think not to get too Christian here. Um, but you know, what G what Jesus did, we believe was he got down into the trenches of humanity and he met, he meets us where we're at. And I love you know, viewing service professions like yours as meeting people where they, where they're at and speaking truth and giving them help, but meeting people, you know, where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You comment that because there's, I mean, right now in Instagram, there's such a device, you know, there's like the big sleep training accounts that are like, you either sleep train or you're never going to sleep again, or, you know, sleep train for your health, mom. Like that's what you got to do. And then there's the other side where they're like, mom, you know, best, like you, you know, best, don't let anyone tell you what to do. And it's like, but neither one of them are giving you like actual advice (laughs) on how you can fix this. And both sides are so anti the other side that they're not willing to see what the other side is seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I don't, I don't think that's very Christian at all either. It's more just Mm -hmm. like getting on a soapbox. Right. Right. Okay. So let's talk about how you became, do you own the label Instagram sensation? I mean, Instagram sensation, you are an Instagram <laughs> sensation. Do you, do you own the label Instagram influencer or do you not like that label? Um, I don't. And I do, I think, I mean, I've thought about this so much, like, honestly, we're all influencers. It's not just like when Lindsay Lohan throws out the crown. It's more yeah. like, you know, if your friend wears a shirt, that's really pretty and looks really good on her, you're going to go and try to find it. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm just somebody, everybody's friend on Instagram. That sounds stupid, but like, mm-hmm. I just have a lot of friends on Instagram. I have thousands of people that watch my story. And so if I talk about a product that helped my baby sleep, they're probably going to want it too. But right. I don't like thinking of it in the sense of like, okay, pay me to talk about your product so that I can sell it for you. I just, I don't like that sense of it. Right. Um, yeah. And, but that's also, that's always like a really tricky thing because like, I just found out I could be getting paid like $2,000 just for posting a product <laughs> with like, I like, well, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also don't want to, that to be what I do because I don't want, I want my message to always be about supporting moms. But then right. you think about it like, well, I'm, support, I'm spending so much energy and time on it. I might as well get paid for it. I don't know. It's just like constant battle. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's I mean, start. I want to dig into this because this is so fascinating. Um, <laughs> the fact that you are even hesitating, that you could just spend, you know, get paid two grand to post something. I'm like, okay, let's start from the beginning about how you got this way. Cause you're the, <laughs> you're the kind of person that we should have on Instagram because I just definitely think most people like that's their goal, um, is to monetize. So you are a sleep consultant. How did you end up getting so many followers and what, what were the things that, that happened that led to just the growth of your account? Yeah. So I was like trying to get clients through Instagram and I only had 300 clients for the longest, 300 followers for the longest time. And so I was like, how do I grow? How do I grow? So I was Googling and all these like gimmicky things came up. I ran into this guy that was like, you know, you have to get social proof. So here's like a way to get 5,000 followers from like the Philippines so that someone <laughs> in the States will look at your account and be like, oh, a lot of people like you and trust you. I'm going to trust you. But that didn't really feel ethical to me. I just didn't mm-hmm. want to do it that way. And so I posted out on Facebook groups, like, how do you grow? How do you grow socially? Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually my sister's sister-in-law reached out one day. She's like, hey, this really cool person, like just put on her story that she took a course on Instagram um, on how to grow. And she has a really big following. So maybe try it. So I tried that course and it was really cool because it was, it was, you know, be authentic, find your audience's mm-hmm. pain points and then deliver good quality. You know, the whole course, but that was the main thing I took away. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a really big part of Instagram too, which is networking via Instagram. And mm-hmm. so I hooked onto this pediatrician mom and then to this labor and delivery mom and this um, dietitian mom. And we like would share each other's accounts and, start growing through there and then I would go into someone else's account and their story and answer questions and I realized like the thing you really need to do is provide quality content and provide Mm -hmm. things that people want to see and then they'll follow you and first Mm -hmm. I was afraid I was like if I answer questions for people then they'll never book me they'll have all the information but then I realized like all the information's out there I don't have any secret no one has any secret about baby sleep and I'm going to say that very honestly like Mm -hmm. if anyone says they have a secret they're they're just trying to scam you out of your money you can go to the library, get a book and just read it. Um, <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to be a tool for them to get that easier. You know, moms can't go to the library and get a book, but they can go in their story, ask me a question and I'll answer them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then soon after that, it just started, you know, growing, 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 growing. And then a big influencer asked me if I would make a course with her. And I was like, huh, I never thought of making a course. So I did. And then I blew up and then I was like, okay, well, I can't handle my clients. There's too many of them. I'm burning out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's around the time too, my Instagram had grown so much. I was getting a lot of trolls and hateful comments. And so mm-hmm. that's about the time I started therapy. But anyway, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? I need to make my own course. So I'm not working one-on-one with people as much as intensely, but I can help more. And so I made my own course and then that launch was awesome. And then it's just been growth ever since. Okay. So your course that you, you basically, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you found out a way of like aggregating the information that you have and personalizing it with people who do a questionnaire. And so that took some of the day-to-day work off your plate, right? Yeah. And so that was my thing too. For so long, I resisted doing a course because I was like, but sleep is not universal. Like one plan is not going to help everyone and I have to help them. And you know, like being a mortar. And I was like, wait, no, I can write everything I know. And so I took three months off of any clients and I just went down writing everything I'd ever told, like a single client for different kind of things. And then I actually met, uh, found someone from a UD alum 
that was good at coding. And so I was like, can you code this? And he was like, oh yeah, it's super easy. And so where before a client would fill out a, a survey and then I would make a plan for them, I just put every possible answer into an algorithm. And that's what you did. You filled out a survey and then got a plan. Um, but if mm-hmm. you had changed like one or two of your questions, it'd be an entirely different plan in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like basically just automated myself. <laughs> So yeah, I could be there, and it's the first one. I don't know if more people have made one since, but it's the only one out there. When I when I put it out there like two years ago, that is customized to the, each person. Mm-hmm. It's not just like all three months old will be sleeping at eight p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's basically what I did. Yeah, it's genius. It really is genius. We should just take a minute and just <laughs> clap. <laughs> it's, it's worked for little Georgie Schmidt, um, in our household. We've we're on day three and I will admit I have to the follower, you know, people listening that I have texted you a lot, um, and asked for advice, but I, I'm pretty sure that your answers I could have found in the PDF you sent me, but, um, I was just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like tempted since I can text you. <laughs> Um, so it's, that's genius. Okay. So you do that and I'm sure, and that's been wildly successful. And then tell me about the trolls. Like, you know, what is the, at some point, I guess when your Instagram account grows, you start to attract these awful, hateful comments. So when did it start and what was that like psychologically? Yeah. So psychologically, that was really, really hard. I mean, when you put your heart into something and it's out there for thousands of people to see, it's just like anxiety inducing every day. You know, you have to be really careful about everything you say because anybody could come at you. Um, and so around like when I was at like 8,000 followers, that's when I got the most trolls. After I grew to like 30, 40, they kind of dwindled down for some mm. reason. Uh, but that yeah. that period of time, which also coincided with like being burned out and everything was when the trolls came in um, and they would just attack what I was saying or attack how I looked or attack how things I said. Um, and it wasn't even that many of them. It's just like one little tiny bug will bite you so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of fans by then or people that would send me really nice things as well. But that was part of it as well. I think there's a quote there, like, if you if you hold yourself up with compliments, a single criticism will knock you down. Mm-hmm. So I had to also learn not to rely on compliments and rely on that. Um mm-hmm what is that called? Affirmation from people. I had to rely on affirmation for myself and knowing that what I was doing was right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, also it's, it's not, I I understand why a lot of people are against sleep training. Like when you told me like, no, sleep training is not for us. Um, It's because of this narrative that it has, you know, that you're going to neglect your child or you didn't leave them there. And it's not even going to work out um, because I just, people don't know how to do it. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, like, like cry it out. If you don't have a correct schedule and routines and everything set up before you try something like cry it out, which isn't for me, but I'm not going to judge someone that doesn't like, it's just, it's going to be three hours of them screaming and then passing out. And then obviously like nobody wants to see that and nobody right. wants to see someone that supports that. And so I had trolls coming at me being like, cry it out is neglect and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, yeah, but I don't, that's not what I teach. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so yeah. yeah but I mean I've come to accept that there's just like people who want to mess with you like I just had we had a I just made a reel with Joe and baby girl where he's I'm showing like this hack of burping a baby which I never knew and it's helped us so much like it's just amazing and this has gone viral like it's got 2.4 million views right now 
Oh my and gosh. so the comments are really funny. <laughs> some people are, most people are like, oh my gosh, thank you for this hack. Or like, oh yeah, this hack works great. But then there's people who are like, this is not a new thing. I've been doing this for years. <laughs> it's like, hey, good for you. Or like, you should not be burping a girl, a kid like that. You're going to break their back. It's like, no, I'm not. Or the, my, the funniest one is like, why don't you just rub their back in circles? That's all you need to do. <laughs> it's like, oh okay, God. obviously that didn't work for me. <laughs> But what no. is the psychology behind these? <laughs> I mean, not that I want to focus too much on these negative commenters, but what do we think is going on? I mean, is there some sort of like, are, are these just, do we know that these are maybe not these comments, but these people who are attacking you when you were at 8,000 followers, like, are these actual individuals or are there the troll farms or something? Do we know no, anything yeah, about it's actual, it's actual individuals. Like one time I put up a story and you know, I don't, I'm not a fashionable person and I'm never going to try to be, um, and this was at a point where I was just wearing like Joe's all t-shirts because I was postpartum weight <laughs> and whatever. And someone went out of their way to send me a message saying, you dress like you're poor. And, you know, maybe I do. Like, it doesn't matter. I was, I was like, well, that's not a very, I, I literally answer people. I was like, what a very nice thing to say. Like, why did you go out of your way to tell me that? Yeah. And she goes, and she went, I don't know. I just want to tell you. And I was like, okay, well, I, then why do you follow me? Like if you, if I offend you somehow, which, you know, fair enough. Some people don't want to see me dressed in Joe's old t-shirts completely fine right. I was like why do you follow me she's like I don't know I find you interesting and kind of funny well, I was like well now you don't get to and I blocked her <laughs> <laughs> um but I think it really is know. people that are bored and they just want to be heard and they think they can hit someone and I don't know I mean I can't for the life of me imagine spending my time being rude to someone online, online. that I don't know <laughs> or ever right. ever but I just right. I mean I guess they don't have anything to do so as it as an like a influencer yourself, do you ever see controversies, like public controversies with people with online presence? And do you feel do you think you feel more compassionate to those people? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just it can be brutal. You say one wrong thing. I mean, you don't say something about something going on. You are clobbered. Um, it's just people are brutal I mean honestly I think because I built my following so what's it it's not fake it's genuinely authentic it's like authentic and, or, and organic that's the word yeah organic. so many nice people I think it's just the most beautiful community like they're, they're not all sleep trainers there's a lot of co-sleepers a lot of people that are really anti-sleep training but they're there supporting each other and so if any troll comes in now, I'll just like see my followers go to them and like 15 of them are being like, it is really not kind. Please don't say that here. Or that's not how we deal with things here. Right. But mm -hmm. a lot of communities don't have that and they will just get clobbered. And so that's why a lot of people have decided to block their comments. So you can't comment on them unless you're following mm -hmm. them. But I mm -hmm. think that, I think that stops a lot of dialogue and just perpetuates like my way is the only way. So I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on Instagram. Yeah. But yes. Did yeah. you answer your questions? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. No. This is all super fascinating to me. So, what did you learn? So, in in what point did you? I guess I I'm, I want to ask about the therapy thing. Like, I'm curious when you just knew I need to go, and like, were you able to find a therapist who understood the whole activity of social media? And like, do you still find yourself seeking out professional help to deal with the stresses? of this big of a following or do you feel like you've reached kind of a like happy homeostasis um a bit of both I mean that's so my sister had just gone to therapy and she kept being like you need to go to therapy you need to go to therapy 
um, because all the all the issues and you find this out in therapy obviously like nothing is about whatever you're dealing with in the present it's all about you know past and everything around it and so she was mm-hmm. able to help because all my insecurities or all my things it wasn't about social media it was about you know me feeling like I was and it's what's it called that uh imposter imposter syndrome yeah so part of it was mm-hmm. that part of it was that I was resentful to the fact that I wasn't teaching part of it was that you know different things in my childhood and then when I was able to solve all of those things I was able to come back with a plan you know like I don't have to let anyone dm me I can just block replies on my story and control that and then mm-hmm. I also you know I can affirm myself I don't need outside comfort validation I don't need to be a people pleaser so I can mm-hmm. just focus on delivering my my stuff and then running my own business and not focus on what how people perceive it right so yeah she was able to help me she was also fascinated she was she thought I was going to be like an influencer I wanted to talk about like oh I don't know people don't like me um (laughs) but then she realized it was a lot more a lot more deep than that Um, she said it was fascinating for her to talk to someone with Mm -hmm. a lot of followers do you okay so would you recommend people let's say you could let's say tomorrow rewrite motherhood could have a hundred thousand followers so would you wish that on me or would you be like I don't wish it on anyone and related question is like what do you think about this type of like business a kind of an online business through Instagram what do you think about how that meshes with motherhood it's it's a very convoluted thing to think about it all to answer your first question, you know, it depends on what you want to do with it. Like, where, where do you want to go with this? Do you want like a big audience to always hear what you're saying? Or do you want a small community to be communicating with and, you know, balancing ideas off of? Or do you want to be an influencer that gets products? Because that part is fun, too. I get a lot of products and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you want to make money off of it? It really just has to depend on each person, what you're going to do with it. But also, I'd urge anyone who starts seeking a path into that to have very clearly who they are and what they want because it's very easy to slip into you know I don't like this product so much but they're going to give me two thousand dollars so might as well get the money and promote it um so you have to be really secure with who you are and also really know that people just out there to troll um but yeah I don't think Mm -hmm. there it's a good or bad thing to have that many thousand followers I think it's what you do with it and what you want to do with it and then mm-hmm. also realize that you're not actually like when I go on my story, there aren't actually 94,000 people plugged into my story every day. It's more like between five and 15, maybe 20,000. Well, when I shared my birth story, it was like 35,000 people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which really funny. Um, but you're, I'm not actually speaking to 100,000 people every day. Right. And right. so, you know, just knowing a lot of different things, I don't think it's a good or bad thing. It's what you do with it that matters. And then I forgot your other question. <laughs> Oh yeah. That's a great, great answer. The other question is, um, like how, how do you feel about the, how compatible this career is? And I should say, you're not, your career is not an influencer because you're not making most of your money off products. You're making money off of your service, which is sleep consulting. Um, so I guess this is not a perfect question, but what do you think about, like, how does it, how does it line up with your priorities as a mom, what you're doing right now? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really nice, especially now that Joe's home. It's like, I feel like I'm living a dream. I didn't know I had because mm-hmm. I just to fill everyone in Joe quit his job teaching to help with the business because I needed, <laughs> I needed help with that. And I just couldn't do full-time business and two kids. 
um on my own so he quit mm-hmm. and he's like he does everything basically but the, for the business except for instagram stuff which is i don't know how he does it all um mm-hmm. but i feel like i'm living a dream because we're both home we're both with the kids all day we like our arguments are like okay i need to work no i need time to work <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not like i need time to myself it's like i need time to answer emails um mm-hmm. but it's really nice because i'm there with the kids all day and you know with I have very few things that are like set like podcasts would be one or actual consultations which I only do twice a day are another mm-hmm. that are set but everything else I can just do you know a lot of it I do while I'm nursing baby girl or mm-hmm. while I'm playing with the kids you know but it is hard to be present sometimes because I'm like oh I should be posting about this or I should be sharing right. about this and so that's that's the balance that I'm always trying to reach um, and then another thing I knew from the very start was I didn't want to monetize my children Mm. right I didn't want to use her cute faces because my first baby was adorable he really was yeah um, my second one not so much but now he's cute <laughs> <laughs> and this third baby girl is a beautiful baby girl too yes. um but I didn't want to monetize them or their experiences and I didn't want them to like look back at me 16 years later and be like why is my whole life on the internet yes um, so that was very clear to me so that's always you know I'm not I don't I definitely don't share their names online and I try not to show their faces unless it's like just for a second or something crazy like that mm-hmm. um and so that part I'm very clear like separation right but then there's also like okay well I want to talk about their sleep because it's going to help a lot of moms and every time I share something like about my two-year-old I'll have like five moms that are like oh my gosh thank you for saying that I've never heard that before and so that keeps me wanting to share more but mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely like I don't I don't want them to think I use them right right yeah, no, it's true. It, it's I'm uh, with my little account. I definitely have recently kind of transitioned where for a while when I had, you know, 1200 followers or so, it really was mostly people that I knew. And then I started posting more and now I have hundreds of people that are following fairly closely who I don't know. And that's when I just started gradually taking my kids off of it. And I still show the yeah. backs of their heads and stuff. And in stories, I show their faces sometimes, but, um, you do get to a point, at least I got to a point where I thought, you know, this is starting to feel a little bit weird too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not judging any, cause there are a lot of people who do share a lot. Um, but you know, for me, I just felt more, I'm just feeling more comfortable kind of phasing that, phasing that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever works for each person, obviously. Um, like everything else, but right. it's good to know when it doesn't work and that you don't have to be, it's not all or nothing, right? You right. don't have to take off everything, but you can slowly as you're doing is facing it out. Mm-hmm. So um, I have two more questions for you. Um, the first one, you can take whatever one you want. The first one is tell me more about this. Now that your, your account is huge, this um, discovery that you can monetize your account and how you're thinking about that. And then kind of relatedly, (laughs) the last question is just like, what's next for you? Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, I've always known I could monetize. I didn't realize it was like to that extent. I I texted one of my other um, influencer friends. She's a dietitian. And I was like, Hey, so how much do you get proposed? And she's like, Oh, you know, between like 1700 or so. And she has less followers than I do. And I was like, oh <laughs> like really <laughs> okay because I've just been like because I mean I do kind of take advantage of it I'll if I want something I'll message a big company and be like hey I have so and so many followers watch my story every day if you send me something I'll talk about it and they usually send it to me um mm. but I never thought about like also asking them to pay for it 
I love that because I, I feel like whatever you recommend, I will totally seriously consider buying because I just think you wouldn't, first of all, knowing you, you would not recommend it if you didn't, if you didn't really support it, but I don't, you know, you talk about dressing in Joe's t-shirts and stuff. I just think that you are the kind of person where if you bought, if you spent money on something, you would want it to be good. Right. I'm not, I don't know oh, you yeah, all like you're frugal, but oh, you I seem like you're more frugal than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like spending money. Like I really don't like spending money. I mean, I didn't like spending money so much that I made a career out of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So for sure. Um, and I've had a lot of people that send me product and I don't like it. And so I never talk about it. I'm never going to like go on it and talk about how bad it is. Um, right. But yeah, I, I, that's another part of why I've never considered monetizing because I know people trust me and I feel like there's a bit of a bar when you mm-hmm. know someone was paid to talk about it. Right. Um, so that's why I've never crossed that line. But mm-hmm. as I work more and more and more, I'm like, well, maybe I should be getting some payment for this. So it's just, mm-hmm. again, another constant battle in my head. Uh, right. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I don't think that's, but I think it's just more of your, of why you're doing it. Like I had a really cool company just reach out to me. They say they just want to spread awareness and they want to pay me to spread awareness of their campaign to like do more in nature or like do more family things. I was like, well, I really like that. And if they want to pay me for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, moms, we have such a hard time asking to be compensated for our labor you know, just women in general, it's like, Oh no, I'll do that for you. And it's like, no, we should, you can ask to be paid and compensated for your labor, especially by the way, not to get on a soapbox, but especially in an economy that does not compensate with money, women's labor at home. If you find a side hustle for yourself or like if you're in ministry or something like that, I mean, I, I think we can help people and also demand, you know, a request the market value of our goods, because any, any minute away from our kids, um, well, any minute we spend on something other than our kids is a minute away from our kids. So I, I fully support that. And, uh, I'm looking forward to having other conversations with you about it because I find it really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Cool stuff. And sorry to cut you off. Um, so tell us a little bit about what's next for you? Are you kind of keeping on with the sleep, um, sleep consulting business? Are you working on other new projects? What's next? Uh, for now, th- just this, right. Just, you know, we have three kids at home and we're barely surviving. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're figuring out how to be business owners, which is crazy. There's just so much work to do. Poor Joe has been trying to pick up, you know, he just joined last year. And so I had two years of not bookkeeping or any of that um Mm. different emails and different cards and stuff and so he's been trying to pick up the mess I made for two years Mm. um so right now this is our our thing just running this business and you know figuring out how to keep growing my main goal right now is to get out of Instagram only because if I'm not on Instagram we're not selling our sleep stuff if I like Mm -hmm. if I don't get my story one day that's a lot less money we're making or if I don't make a post that's a lot less money we're making and that's kind of scary Oh, so meaning like to expand to other platforms? Yeah, or like have more people know about me outside of just just the 94,000 people that follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, you know, I, I've been hearing that a lot about, especially because um, 
in, in a lot of ways, even content creators are like custom. I don't, I don't know what the word is. I'm going to get confused about the legality here, but there's a lot of interesting things about the kind of contractual arrangement that content creators have with the platform, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, it's not like your intellectual property necessarily what you produce. And so it, they can change the algorithm and it can oh, yeah. impact your business. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like if they decided to delete my account tomorrow, they just would. And then my business is gone. Basically I still have right. some, like I have an email list and stuff that I've been working on, but yeah, essentially I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Me up some nights. <laughs> right. Well, I think you should write a book. Have you thought about that? You see, I have had a lot of people tell me that and I have, that's actually one of my other like life achievements. I, I thought I was going to be a novel writer all my life as well. Um, okay. That's why I did an English major. Um, oh. So I love to write and I have a novel in the works, but, and so eventually I think I will want to write a book on sleep, especially because that whole area of moms needing to be supported really is lacking, but it's just not like, I don't know, just speaking in um, what's it called? practical terms is not a very good idea financially Mm. to spend a lot of time on a book right now because Mm. you know my sleep plan I can sell and I'm selling it right now for like between 50 and 80 dollars and that's all online and I'm not having to put more into it but if I went to like a a publisher and then they would take a cut and I don't know and you can only send a book for like 12 dollars or so um so right now not in the works, but perhaps in the mm-hmm. future. Sorry, I went into way more detail than I meant to there. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. It's you and I have so much in common. One of the things that we have in common is that desire to write a book. I've always oh, wanted cool. to. They say that when you uh, when you first finally publish your book, if it's a dream, that it's like a big letdown because you've gone your whole life wanting to publish a book mm. and or have a book published, I should say. And I have always, ever since I was a little girl, I was like, I'm going to write yeah. a book one day. And of course I've started like a bunch of different, um, yeah, same. <laughs> a bunch of different, but I just, you know, the amount of kind of blood, sweat and tears it takes to crank out something that is useful, you know, especially when you're, you're probably like me and a pretty tough critic of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. it does seem like not the right season. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll do it one day and I'm going to, continue to talk, talk to you about it. And maybe you and I can scheme offline a little bit about maybe we'll make a book writing a deadline goal or something in the next five years. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> we got to stop having babies though. I know that's another life goal. I want to go back to teaching, but not while I have babies. So, you know, I just have a lot of life goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you're in just in this awesome season, you have, um, you turned your you're, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see that your decision to stay at home with your kids turned into this other huge thing. And now you're helping other moms like you, you're helping me. Um, thank you for being such a positive person on Instagram and you're doing great work. And I hope we can have you back on sometime to talk because I loved this conversation and I know other people are going to love it too. Sweet. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye.